0: The Agora Podcast is covered by a BIPCOT no-gov license. Use and reuse is free and encouraged by anyone except governments or their agents. Find out more at (laughs) Bibcot.org. Folks, welcome back to the Agora Podcast. It's Penguin here with Sek Megora and Dr. Brian Sovereign for another episode of Into the Void. Uh, it's our seventh episode of this series, uh, as far as our official uh, numbering. So, I'll, I was for sure one. I'm really glad to uh, be back recording one of these. I'm ex- really excited about it. One of the most, you know, exciting things I think we record as part of this uh, media project. Um, how's everybody doing today? Tired and old. Yeah, I'll second that.
1: <laughs> hot, well, hot, hotter than hell. <laughs>
0: I'm yeah. the one here, so I can't say anything. Right.
2: Uh, <laughs> I'm yeah. still in my th- I'm still technically in my 30s for like a few more months. What? Seriously? Yeah, yeah I'm 39.
1: I'm older than you.
2: By Holy like crap. uh yeah, a couple of years, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, by like three years. I'm 42. That's that's insane. I had no idea well yeah <laughs> i think you're like and i don't know if this is a compliment or not but i feel like you're
2: infinitely more mature than me so anyway <laughs> yeah i've seen some shit brian <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's like i used to say even like because i've been i've been doing uh physical labor my whole life so even in my like late 20s is when i hit the first wall you know where you're like yeah oh things hurt oh god i forgot it. i didn't know that existed yep, yep. so like uh, I used to say, uh, you know, it's not the it's not the years. It's the miles on the motor. And I've got a lot of hard miles.
0: So. Yeah, I didn't even start doing physical outside labor till I was um, in my 30s. But uh, I would just go like full throttle in my 20s doing work. It's not extremely strenuous, but I'd just be run- running my ass off. And uh, I could not do that anymore. I- I'd, m- I'd much rather lift something heavy and take my time doing it and, and you know, then, then be running around like I used to do. I used to run around like a, like a hamster, just insane. But, uh yeah, definitely time takes its toll. Um You yeah. can be doing it sec after all these years. I know I've got plenty more years than me, but, you know, hopefully I'm not doing it forever.
2: Listen, say whatever you want, and maybe this is just me, and I'm an insane person, but I've got a dude that works for me, and he's, like, 24, 25, and I... St- I don't want to sound like an old bastard because, you know, I am, but I don't want to. But I could I work circles around this dude. <laughs> he, no, he works hard, but, like, still, I'm, like, twice his age. Well, not quite twice his age, but I'm almost twice his age, and I could easily outlast, do harder, am stronger, everything. So
0: Yeah. Um, but I'm half It's really a- weird. It sounds sounds funny but it's true i mean just not a, not. i mean i've also been stuff, doing it but... my
2: entire life though so you know i got that everybody's kind of primed
1: it. for it sure yeah yeah
2: yeah so I'm, i mean i'm not half the man i was when i was in my 20s so mm-hmm. um so it's just it's different different life that we've lived lived but some of that is is just um yeah, I guess it's just, uh, I don't think it has anything to do with, like, I'm not making uh, these young kids today kind of a thing, but <laughs> it's probably just because, I mean, I was, my old man put me to work when I was, like, seven or eight years old, you know? So, Oof. Yeah, we had a farm and he had a company, so I was free labor.
0: Nah. Man, I was a terrible, terrible worker as a kid. A lot of people get their kids to do something for them. I was a terrible uh worker as a kid my parents tried but god bless them i don't know they they put up with me somehow for they still are putting up they're still putting up with me i mean I, we live in the same town they can put up with me but uh no i try to visit them as much as i can they obviously want me to come around as much as possible these days but uh yeah i i started working a little later but i was i was lucky enough to kind of get a little push to start doing it i mean really my first technical technically my first time i ever got any paycheck was like in 14 and then you know, and stuff like that. And then it just didn't work out the same way uh, for my brother, but he ended up getting, getting catching on too. And this is one of those things like you can, you can kind of catch on, but it's, it's, I think the younger the better. Uh, and I'm not an advocate for sending the little kids down into the mines, but uh, send them to the mines. Send
1: them to the mines. For think, children yeah, for the there's,
0: something, there's something to be said for a mix of <laughs> work and education and play for like a lot of your life. Actually, I guess that's like all your life. You should have you should have a mix. I mean, I don't know. I don't want to be like, I, I understand psychology and everything, and I just totally have this philosophy that, that we all should ag- agree to, but I don't... I think that the whole idea that uh, child labor is child labor in every case is not... I don't want to exploit children and exploit their youth, you know, the fact that they're kids and can't do things for themselves, but uh, you know, I, I, I think they... Like, even at a very, very young age, like to help out and do tasks, you know? Oh, yeah. My kids,
2: well, until a certain age, then they want to do their own thing. But my youngest loves helping. Sometimes it's more of a, you know, uh, she's making more of a mess than she's helping. But, you know, she loves to help and learn stuff and whatever with us. And, uh, definitely. Here's a point that I often make that I don't think gets brought up enough is I think that. <laughs> It's kind of weird to say, but I think child labor can prevent child abuse. So, like, mm-hmm. um, uh, I'll give you an example from my own life. Uh, my old man put me to work on a farm and doing landscaping and, and whatever else. And so by the time I was a teenager, I had the skill set of, like, a 30-year-old adult. So I had the ability to um, go... You know, most abusive situations, the the abuser has economic power over the abused. So, like, if you think of a, you know, a abused spouse, a lot of times it's uh, not the breadwinner. They have no place to go. They have no means to escape, economic means to escape. So if you have a set of skills from child labor, you are less, less reliant on your parents for... To To be able to provide for yourself because you have a marketable skill, you have things that you are able to do yourself you don't you need your parents less, and you have basically you have an exit strategy at that point right so I went to work and I was on my own at sixteen seventeen working uh and i didn 't need my parents anymore, and my parents were very abusive and it gave they actually gave me my own ticket to escape in a sense because they put me to work so young. So by the time I was 16, 17, 18, I could outwork most other people my age. So I was making decent money right away. And uh, I didn't, I didn't need them for anything They that they, the, they had nothing they could hold over my head. So I had my own apartment. I had my own, whatever the thing, and I was fine. So I don't want to send kids into like, precarious situations are back in the fucking cold mine coal mines either i don't even like wage labor very much so yeah but but for kids to learn like a decent skill or a little hustle like i there's you know i like uh uh i, I you hear stories every now and then you know the the lemonade stands a, an obvious thing but i i like seeing like this kid figured out how to make this app or whatever the thing and now he's selling it and he's got his own little business at 14 or whatever the, like, I love that, that, little, yeah, you know, uh, I was a, a kid.
0: I was a kid like only 20 years ago, so 20 years ago. I guess most people, I don't know. All I felt like a kid. Most people just forget what it's like, what it was like to be a kid. They have a vague memory. But uh, yeah, it, it sucked to not be able to, to be, you know, to basically be expected to be helpless, except in, in like reading, writing and arithmetic and basically be healthy, helpless and fully dependent, which just isn't it's 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 suited to a certain class certain lifestyle that doesn't fit everybody but just for everybody it's, it's just frustrating to be a be a child and go through puberty and everything and and have and and literally be only there to do book reports and and math problems um i don't think it's and then this the, the kind of social relations where you're you know a, a lot of critiques of schooling i don't want we actually should just do an episode of critiques of schooling but like you know the fact that you're socializing just with people with your exact age and everything which is really unhelpful. I know when I got into the workforce, my, you know, you get to your first job, your real job, like 17, 18. And the, the amount of like socialization and skills that I, the amount of catching up I did maturity wise, just by working at age 18 and 19, and I kept the job for a while, but just those ages, the, the, the amount I learned more then than I could have learned, It's it's so much more useful to me, the social skills and the, you know, abilities to self-discipline and stuff like that, which I've always struggled with, but like none, 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 none of schooling helped. It made it worse. If anything, you know, it it prevented me from gaining basic skills that kids do lack in in teens and kids are looked down upon just for being so like antisocial, but I mean, like they're being kept in these prison like conditions. And I don't mean that lightly, like literally cinder blocks and being housed with a bunch of people, your own age in a common area, like against your will, essentially like it's, Prison like, not just in the sense that yeah, it's coercion. I'm not just; it's not just that. It is literally prison. They're fed like prisoners, et cetera, et cetera. So I think mm-hmm. that's tremendously damaging for kids. And I don't think like I get when left wing, more left wing types say, you know, yeah, you shouldn't have. They don't think anybody should have to work to live, or except they do. But they don't think anybody should theoretically have to work. But that's given. Okay. Putting that aside, like you should not it's, – it's putting us in a worst case, I think, growing up, except for people – it literally only probably suits to people that have like purely academic, you know, strengths. And that's a very small percent of the population that are going to go into like academics as a career path. It's so poorly suited, you know? Yeah, I, I think
1: anthropologically there's a really great case for what you guys are saying. I mean – you know th- there's an old saying that uh takes a takes a village to raise a kid um and i know people kind of bristle at that sometimes but there's actually a lot of truth to that you know or if you know if we wanted to be more anthropological we'd say it takes a tribe to raise a kid and that's because kids you know thousands of years ago or even just a few hundred years ago um you know how did they learn they we didn't ha- there wasn't public school there wasn't anything like that it's that they hung around adults and they just you know they what they thought was cool was copying adults and they would learn to work. Now, the difference is, because then people will bring up Penguin kind of like what you're saying, you know, where, oh, but, you know, they're, they're in whatever corporate towns or they're in, you know, enslaved or something like that. I mean, the difference there, as far as like child labor, is it's not labor that they're seeing, like say in China. Okay, so there's, you know, kids working in sweatshops or whatever, and what, they're helping make iPhones, you know, but they don't get the iPhone as to where, when, you know, again, in the past, uh, kids would see the direct result of their work. It'd be in their hands, or it'd be in on the table at the end of the day, um, or even in the morning, whatever it happens to be. And, and they would get to partake in it, and they'd understand it. Um, a big, I, I think, one of the this is going to come off. Well, I, I another thing people might bristle at, but um, you know, I know we we all kind of work for a medium of, of exchange now, right? With money, and and that's fine. But at the same time, you know you don't always appreciate the work that you're doing and it doesn't feel fulfilling because you're not really working for what you're working for. You're working for a medium of exchange. Now you can decide to do that, but for kids, I think it creates kind of a very skewed uh, uh, concept of what everything's about and yeah. And, and, it leads to um, unfulfilling lives overall and which can lead to kind of what sec was saying about abuse and other things and and, and it, yeah it just it, it runs into problems um i mean and and this isn't even getting into i think one of the issues we have in culture is this obsession with eternal youth um which is which is a, a, a really a massive problem because we make things today you know it used to be like even when i was a kid most of say television shows were television shows that featured adults now there were little kid shows yes little 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 kid shows but now shows like the big shows even the big shows that adults watch you know are are, it's all teenagers And, and and i find a lot of that there's not necessarily anything wrong with that but i do find it kind of strange um as to where for me you know my hero when i was a kid was not someone my age my hero when i was a kid was captain kirk or it was Luke Skywalker or actually it was more Darth Vader but you know it was people like i wanted to be something older i didn't want to be represented in what's on the screen i wanted to be inspired by what i saw um and and that's kind of a, it's a weird thing when we're not really inspiring kids to i, I mean we're only inspiring them with with like pictures of other children doing what and and the, anyway <laughs> we could get lost on this that's but uh, another yeah, that's a whole other thing, right?
0: So yeah, we could keep talking I, I, about work. <laughs> in, even even in the immediate sense, even in the immediate sense, I think, it, you know, just looking at the, the this basic mode of economy we have around us, mm-hmm. the idea that. You're going to be totally dependent not only through childhood but through like young adulthood and puber- puberty and then into young adulthood. And you're going to be totally dependent and totally like in the same mode of like sit still in a classroom when that's not what you want to do. I get there, they come up, they've, they've also come up with other outlets like like uh sports and athletics and you know extra other extracurriculars for those that aren't good at sports or athletics, like I wasn't. Um, <clears throat> but um. Which also, you know, I think I had a pretty bad situation there because I, I didn't bloom athletically at like nineteen a little bit. I mean I saw but the the, the whatever. That situation wasn't conducive for me. I You really still had a ton school. of energy you know, though, right? I I it. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I, I had, yeah, I hate, a, I hate a school so much. I just, right. it, it's particularly, that's a lot, a case with a lot of our friends, I think. But the point I'm trying to make, the broader point that I'm trying to make is that, that to have people so, you know, completely dependent and basically considered so useless or a problem or a drag on society or someone who needs to be watched and, and corralled and surveilled, <laughs> excuse me, surveilled. I think that's, it's, it's really psychologically tough on like somebody who is literally a young adult. I know we want to, we want to just eliminate that category. I, 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 a big problem I have is that we want to eliminate like a very large category of like the progression of, of, of human life is like we want to eliminate the concept of a young adult, which is not the same as like a fully grown adult, but it's not the same as a child. It's not at all a, feels like a child it doesn't being that person doesn't feel like a child you don't have the capabilities or the lack of capabilities basically as a child lack of faculties that a child has which is intensely curious and sucking a lot of, in mentally and using right. all their senses and learning as much as possible and you're not doing it as much but you are very much not quite an adult but you very much have many of the qualities of an adult as well um probably closer to an adult than a child really once once you get part way through that um Due to puberty and everything, uh, and we, we kind of want to eliminate that and just keep them in this mode of like, uh, you're. I mean, I know this is such a common argument, but it's tremendously frustrating and it hampers, hampers the ability, except for like maybe the top five to ten percent of achievers, um, and then everybody else, including very capable people that are just not in maybe five to ten percent, that maybe the. You know things kind of mold themselves to to benefiting them every all the other kids I mean it's it's pretty damn frustrating or at least it was for me hey
2: y'all I got something cool to tell you about so you know how uh I'm doing a big initiative to try to get more people to gorilla garden well uh Daggerist over at agaracre dot com he's kind of teaming up with me a little bit here to help support this uh cause. So if you use the code AGORA10 uh, over at com, you'll get 10% off um, for any reason um, you're buying seeds, whether that be guerrilla gardening or your own garden, anything like that. But if you contact Dagorist uh, or myself and you tell them that I sent you to get seeds for guerrilla gardening, he might be able to swing an additional hookup, um, it might be just whatever he's got, you know, a surplus of or that kind of thing. Whatever he can do, um, so he's he's down for the cause here, and really wants to help uh, see this come to fruition. Um, so I'm I am Sekmagora, at Sekmagora on all the the um, social media. You can contact Daggeris directly on this website, Daggeristakers.com. Uh, again. And uh, the code is Agora10 to just get ten percent uh, off straight up. And um, tell him I sent you for for guerrilla gardening, and he'll, uh, he'll he'll try to hook you up however he can. And um, we, this is what we got to do: we got to support people that support us that want to see more of this in the world. Um, so again, it's AgoraStakers.com. Check it out, um, and get out there and. and and cause a cause a ruckus and get some guerrilla gardening done. All right, y'all peace.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and it's insane that, you know, kind of like the, the path that I went on. So I, you know, like we were talking about the hard labor or the quote unquote, um, harder labor, uh, the outside labor, perhaps, you know, that you guys get to experience. I've actually always wanted that kind of job. And I, I, it just never, I don't know. The cards never really fell that way, but you know, I pretty can't much do an office or a
2: screen. I would. Yeah. I'd yeah. A gun yeah.
1: <laughs> right. Well, that's the thing is I ended. Yeah. Right. And and I hear you. And and like it drives me. I mean, especially now, you know, now there's too many screens. At one point, screens were cool. Now they're uh, the bane of existence. But regardless, you know, for me, it's like, OK, you know, I go and work fast food. And then what is my job? What is the one thing I do after working in fast food? I join the military, you know, and literally go and fight in two wars. And it's like, something something was missed there you know like there's some stage of development there's something very screwy about that whole situation that you know you go from fast food to going overseas and fighting in some war i mean yeah the, the school yeah. Said, i mean when you put it tonight.
2: that way that i'm sorry when you put it that way that is fucking crazy to go yeah. from like here you're flipping burgers or whatever the fuck Yep. And now here's a rifle, and go <laughs> go point it that way. And you're yeah. like, what, 18 or 19 or whatever the thing? Sure. That is insane. There's there's no way that should ever happen in a uh, just world. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I mean, but this is, you know, a,
1: again, it speaks to the point that, um, that the way that kids are, quote-unquote, raised today, there are just a million steps missing. There, there's something... Something not right about that because that's you know that's a path that 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 so many go on um you know including myself and it's it, yeah it's it's freaking insane when i when I think back on it
0: but I love that I have like a this disposition that we but we roughly all share it while we're here where I have like this strong sense of of justice but and i guess a very open mind you know politically philosophically, or whatever in, at least in some respects um but I don't just fall into these basic heuristics. Like I'm not just a leftist or someone in this this line on this position with leftists, which says the fewer minors we have working, the better, the higher of an age you, you are kind of pressured or coerced or whatever to enter the workforce, the better, the less people that have to basically work the better at the expense of like leaving people with no skills or means of like individual subsistence or like economic agency at all, you know. That's what that's what that's what making a, a large portion of the society a, a welfare charge is. It sounds great. I mean, uh, besides the economics of it, it's it's just you know, okay, look, thirty percent of the people are just going to be surplus people that we're just going to warehouse somewhere and they're going to have zero agency. Um, that's the logical, obviously, extent of like the worst of like how th- things would go. But you know, and then have the least number of uh you know basically the highest agent in the workforce and stuff like that like that's not really those aren't the metrics of success it's it's a lot more complex than that it's always some very simple metric and this is like the least number of mine they always have these uh posts on twitter where they show like mcdonald's or taco bell saying we're we're now we can now hire 14 and 15 now hiring 14 to 15 year olds and it's like look i don't want to speak about every 14 or 15 year old, but there might be a 14 or 15 year old in a certain situation that might be considering getting a job for whatever reason that I don't want people to be coerced into doing, having to do things they really don't want to do, but that steady paycheck might be 10 times better than being in their position without a paycheck and might actually put them ahead of their peers in a way that their situation with schooling and, and their 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 academics just because of their life isn't i i can't predict that thing and i don't think there's a cookie cutter solution for everyone and that just cutting that option off and saying this is victory this is justice i think is is myopic and you know well yeah, here's where i might
2: sorry to cut you off there but here's where i might um might agree with their sort of desired end conclusion but i don't Agree with their means, so like uh, what I mean by that is, I am somewhat sympathetic to like uh, the, the what they call anti-work. So I would like to see a world where everyone, um, even if money you know exists in this world, I would like to see a world where everyone does what they enjoy doing for a living. So like w- what anti-work means is just like there is no. Uh, undesirable labor or coerced labor and people generally speaking to do what they would like to do or pursue their interests as a means of uh, providing for themselves. Um, And there's lots of different variants of this. Some would envision a communist society for that end or whatnot. But, um, but so I think that's the goal for a lot of the people that you're speaking about is just like, if we can just, uh create more people on UBI or in the welfare system, maybe they will be able to not have to get a shit job at McDonald's and maybe they'll be able to pursue their own interest interests would be the most charitable uh view of their their sort of uh their ideals or their, or their their uh, plans there. Uh, that's I don't a good think way to put it, it, it actually most I don't think it, Yeah, I don't think that's actually how that works. Um, And I don't think that I mean, obviously, I'm an anarchist. I would not like to see, you know, uh, coercion or the state involved in any of the things I'm talking about. But I actually think that less intervention in a market would result in something similar to the anti-work society that I've just described. Just uh, it would be more much, much more abundance and opportunity to where people could pursue their. You know, what makes them fucking happy? Not what just makes them money, but what makes them happy. And, you know, and also, you know, earn their livelihood doing that. And it's, you know, I would like to see that for everyone who fucking wants it. So uh, I don't think it's going to be solved through institutions, though. It's just never going to happen that way, like a universal basic income or anything like that. Um, It'll never happen that way but i think it could happen in in many many other ways but it's it has to be
0: built outside of the state in some way see even even back way back when um you've said before that you know capitalism is, is meant to be labor saving and like yeah we we, we really oppose the use of the word capitalism for a long time and we really, really do because it's it's ambiguous or not not helpful a lot of the times but even if you want to you know we're in a context where that's a fine usage of the word yeah i think capitalism is supposed to be like labor saving is supposed to provide us with more abundance and more goods at cheaper price at cheaper yeah for cheaper or less resources or less time uh worked and i think that when you know or if you don't want to call that cap you know fr- capitalism fine free markets um kind of markets without these other incentives um that aren't separated in the current context but are you know separable from um from a market economy and you, you know so i don't want to see less of that and the i guess the, the paradox is is that the people that, that most want to see you know change radical and even radical change in this direction want less markets and less market solution and um I, you know, I just like I don't think that those people are, are bad people that are like in bad faith or like they're they're evil and they're not arguing in bad faith. I think they're wrong. But likewise, I don't want more markets because I want like I want, you know, I want your town to be run by the, the monopoly man and just making and, and just take put making the nine and 10 year olds go down to the mines, you know, because there's no government. I don't think that's how it does or, or, or would work.
1: Well, you know, I'll I'll put this out. Um, and this is kind of maybe going full circle to where we started with with sec and I don't know, maybe we can get into something weird after. But um but this is an important conversation to have. Uh I think and I think what 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 sec is doing like what you were describing with your kids kind of how, you know, you don't have to teach kids necessarily everything like you don't have to show them the encyclopedia, you just you want to teach them how to learn. You don't have to be their teacher, other than just explain to them, okay, this is how you learn things, and in the same way, I think it's true for work as well. Okay, this is how you work, Um, you know, or I mean, maybe we could get a little, a little more on a finer grain and say even this is how you survive. But these are the things that don't really uh, get taught. Is Okay, how do you go about this? you know like and and I think there is a way to you know how to work um for example, if you're working, you know you're going to encounter other people there's going to be some element of customer service, you know, but how many people are taught anything remotely like customer service, and I don't mean like the the dregs of um you know, working a target or something like that and having to deal with all that nonsense, but just in general, how to interact with people. I mean, that's, that's kind of something missing. And I, th- I think we'd be better off basically, okay, you know, here are, here's, here's the foundation of how to do this. You know, you lay the foundation um, and then, you know, let, let the kids figure it out. But that's a whole other thing too, in that, you know, a lot of times, and, and this is, I don't have the answer to this, but also kids, and I I can say this for myself as well, kids don't even really know what they want to be you know yet i mean hell i don't think i knew what i wanted to be until i was like 30 something when when i found out like what i really wanted you know to do and be but then all of your right but then all of your energy all of your time all that youth that youthful energy is just squandered in, in some ways by on what society thinks is the thing that you should do or what you're told is somehow worthwhile or whatever i mean me you know, when i was a kid uh, a teenager so uh, this people will laugh at this i've talked about it before on my own show but um but i i was a championship uh, roller skater and i was a championship roller hockey player and that's what i wanted to do now i still enjoy roller skating that's fine but for fuck's sake, I don't want to do that for the rest of my life. <laughs> no way. But at the time, that's that's all I could think about, you know, was 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 doing that. Um and so, you know, I'm glad things worked out in a very different way because I'd be defining myself by, you know, the quads on my feet. But um, but that's that's a that's a big thing that, that we're not really appreciating. I mean, yeah, the message is out there. Oh, you know, little Johnny, you can do and be whatever you want. And 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 that's fine, you know, to to get that out there. But the system itself is set up in such a way that, you know, kids are essentially required to figure out, you know by the age of say 13 14 when they first go to the guidance counselor in high school and the guidance counselor asks them okay so what do you want to do what do you want to go to college for what do you want to do this and it's like oh, like holy fuck man i'm 13 <laughs> you know <laughs> give me a break i don't know <laughs> i mean that that should be the response but society is set at least in the west society is set up in such a way that no you have to have this figured out early on um, and i think that creates incredibly depressed individuals Uh, either in you know not long after that, or maybe even decades after that, and that leads to a whole ton of problems.
2: I think it's uh, I think it's very related here that the school system was set up to uh create obedient soldiers and workers. So, I you know, you you said the oh, the the platitude that they you know tell every kid, oh, you can be whatever you want to be, when really the economy if everyone was what they wanted to be the current economy would collapse and they need (laughs) they need a a population of workers and wild soldiers to um to to work the stuff uh to do the you know the shitty jobs or sit in a cubicle or whatever the thing is they need uh, currently the way our economy is set up they need a certain amount of people to not chase their dreams and i think um I don't want to say it's entirely intentional, but I think that's where all the incentives sort of drive this entire system. And I think that's uh, might be part of the reason why they keep kids, kids for so long. Um, So like if you allowed kids to like try things, try something different or try to start a business at 12, 13 years old or whatever the thing is, and, and actually teach and develop the skills and facilitate the things that they need to try to do that they they would have like tried and failed several times by the time they're actually like a full-grown adult and maybe they would have figured out what they want to do maybe not for their whole life but for the the uh for the next decade or so and the ability to uh, abilities to make that happen it takes like a series of like trial and error to really kind of number one figure out who you are what you want to do and and how to make you know, your what you want to do it come to fruition. Like that all takes like several attempts before you really can. It, and some people never figure it out, but that's going to take you several tries before you can actually like figure something out for at least a while. And you, you're absolutely right, Brian. It's like, Nope, you don't have any of that at all. And then now you have to make that decision right at fucking, you know, in your junior year in high school or whatever the thing, and that's what you're going to fucking do for the rest of your life. Instead yeah, of like giving the people the, the chance to like figure it out, um, and I think it, <laughs> I think if they allowed people to figure it out, people might not do the jobs that the powers that be need them to do to to keep this entire system going,
0: yeah. So, first off, I do want to agree with what you said like uh, the idea that I'm I was 18 year old, 17, 18 year old, you know, obviously definitely destined for college, you got to go. And I don't even know. I'm in college learning what the jobs are. I'm supposed to pick a major, uh, and then I'm, I'm still learning what some of the jobs were in my twenties, even in my thirties, just to understand what some of the jobs out there actually entail. But some of that's more general, more specific knowledge than you need to know to choose maybe choose your interest. Except you really don't know until you kind of dip your foot into something exactly. Um, yeah, I but I was definitely trying. Being, I was definitely being asked like, "What's your intended major?" when I didn't even know what most jobs were and I was not prepared for that either. Uh, not that it's anybody's job to prepare, prepare you for that. I mean, they, they tried, it was such thing as a career day. I, I get that. Um, but anyways, even look, even if we don't live in a world where everybody can just pursue their dreams or whatever, that's great. It's, it's a great ultimate, like conclusion or whatever. But even if like, even if people of a, of a younger age and young adulthood have to work a job that they, they, their first job or second job that they find, crappy and and, and and tedious and it's a wage labor job and you know whatever I think there's some pr- tremendous value on, in, 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 in making money and using money as an amusement exchange because you can use it to buy various goods uh, to your preference sure. or whatever um, but even even that even in a situation where I mean, right now you're filtering for the people I think that are the most economically precarious as most most parents see it as their duty to keep their kids out of the workplace until the workforce, until they're at least 18. So you're seeing a kind of a skewed picture um but in general like being able to earn a paycheck and learn how to budget and save your money and these are you know these are famously skills that people will decry or not taught and that people don't know um, but there's not a really a way for them to learn even if you made a class I, that wouldn't really transfer those the skills to them i don't think in in the in way um of actually doing them and, I, and like i said there's a socialization and 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 learning the ability to work and do things and manage your time and everything. I I was not able to learn those because by being told to, told to do those things or being, told mm-hmm. being assigned homework, that was just not going to work for me. It did not work for me. I resisted it. I didn't do it. I got in trouble for it. Um, and to this day, I'm paying for not listening to my parents and teachers growing up. And uh, I'm not saying I'm, I'm some great anti-authoritarian like like hero. I just didn't want to do stuff, but I would go to work and, basically do what i'm told there um and and to the extent that i could i was able to mature in that environment i think it would be a lot more conducive to a lot of the issues where a lot of younger people don't adapt well to the uh, school environment um and does that really mean that they would not adapt to an environment where they're like earning money for being there versus being in a a almost a a semi-carceral environment
1: yeah, you know something that a trend that's happening right now in in workspaces, and this is partly due to, uh, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, all right, we'll say the pandemic. We'll just put it out there. Um, but it was it was it was starting to to come up before then. Um, and this is the four day work week. Okay, now you might be wondering, well, oh, what does this have to do with this? And that is, you know, there there's like shall we say shit work that I would be willing to do as long as I'm not doing it eight hours a day. Right. Like, in fact, we have the research now to show that most people like their creativity and their their ability to work. You're lucky if you get a good three hours out of anybody, you know, with, uh, you know, for their maximum amount of energy to to, to really get things done. Um, Now. So this idea of the four day work week started becoming a thing because of this research that, well, you know what, you don't get that, you you know, people really, they need more time off they you know, they got to let their brains recharge and, and, you know, and all of this stuff. But the problem is like, OK, so I remember reading about, you know, the concept of a four day work week or whatever you know, years ago, like 2014, 2015, around there is when the idea I think really started to blossom. And now people are implementing it partly because of, you know, the work from home schedules and everything, but what most companies are doing, you know, instead of it being, uh, okay, you work, um, eight less hours a week, you know, because you're only working four days a week, but you get the same amount of pay, right? Because you're still putting out the same amount of work, uh, instead you're just you're still working 40, 40 hours a week but they're just jamming it into four days and for me the, you know there's no there's no real benefit there um and i'm bringing all of this up basically to say that i think you know there there are a lot of and and i know um kevin carson who you guys have had kevin carson on in the past haven't you um but kevin carson he yeah. yeah yeah yeah.
2: we've had him on big fan yeah
1: yeah yeah no he's phenomenal um and and he's i think he's even brought this up in some of his work that or in some of his books that you know in a quote unquote you know more anarchist society um or mutualist society that yeah okay there's people who might have to clean the toilets or do whatever but you're only going to do it for like i don't know four or five hours a week even you know like it's not going to be that much and and i think That's where people would find it to be a bit more palatable. And this isn't even new. You know, Nietzsche even said that Nietzsche said that, you know, uh, your, your work should never be more than 25% of your day. Um, You know, and he was saying that 200 years ago. So.
2: Brian, remember this point right now, and then go look into your patrons discord just for the record. Okay. (laughs) You're going to, it's going to be an interesting one. I promise you that. All right. Um, do we want to talk about something weird or do we want to keep going on this? <laughs> well, yeah, we can
0: Peg, when you got any more on this? I mean, we could I, I talk about
2: this for like a day.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I just missed I just missed the mute button. Um, yeah, I think we can move on. I think we've actually done a uh, great great because we it was impromptu, just so everybody knows we don't actually prep anything in the base. I know that came out, out of nowhere. I don't chat, know. Yeah. But <laughs> that was awesome. You guys though. do a docket. You guys do a docket, but I'm just too busy. Like I I don't know. I just kind of try to well, figure things out. I didn't yeah,
2: but I didn't look at it before that. That was just out of nowhere. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, I got a a quick
2: bone to pick with Brian. Yeah. So I was listening to your Sovereign Tech X episode while I was working outside a little while ago. Mm -hmm. And you guys had the goddamn nerve to call (laughs) Dream Theater, Animals as Leaders, (laughs) and Devin Townsend, Prog Rock. And I am offended, sir. Uh, (laughs) That is progressive metal. Not progressive oh, rock. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. All right, all right.
2: <laughs> Rush, <Jeez. laughs> King Crimson, ELP—that's progressive rock. You see, see, leader. Uh, th- granted, there is some, probably some overlap, but there, it's not the same thing.
1: Right on. Okay, okay. So, a, you're right. <laughs> uh, but uh, my second point, and this is something I, I, I actually, I rarely ever really like to use the word rock. Um, pro like prog metal just isn't as common as saying prog rock. And partly because that rolls off the tongue really nicely. Um, but I, myself, and I've talked about this on, on some of my shows, I mean, anything with an electric guitar, you know, I, I, I call it metal, even though I know there are drastic differences between rock and roll, hard rock, metal you know black death metal and so on you know i i mean i i, I do get it but yeah no i, I stand corrected so <laughs>
2: <laughs> well I, I accept your apology thank you i mean not, i love prog rock too but it's like a vastly different thing yeah i don't know well no they're absolutely related but it's like a it's totally a, it's a different vibe you know what i mean i don't know yeah no i hear you
1: because like okay so would dream theater be in the same class as yes no uh,
2: that's funny, but to they're say. Re- but they're not the same, but they touch, you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. right, yeah, exactly. So, um, but I, I yeah, but I think like, I guarantee my... you that Dream Theater and Animals as Leaders grew up listening to Yes and Rush, you know what totally. I mean? But, but totally. they're, but they're metal heads, you know what I mean? So, yeah, no, I'm I mean, that's the beautiful thing about metal, like you and I are both metal heads, but we have yeah. like some very, very different taste and metal you know what i mean like it's such a wide thing but it's still we're metal heads you know it doesn't matter like what your thing is although when i was younger i you know i might have poked a little bit of fun of you for the hair metal stuff but (laughs) um well that's a funny
1: thing like nobody wants like the hair metal stuff you know that that all gets called hard rock now you know but it was called hair metal i hate the term anyway but um and yeah, then that was that's hair kinda,
2: metal when I was growing up. That was hair right, metal, yeah, right? Right, yeah. but
1: but you know, no one like so you would call Bon Jovi hair metal, but then go up to any metalhead today and say, "Yeah, Bon Jovi's metal," they'd be like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" You know, no, he's not. Um, even though you know, again, I would say that, but so the, the terms all get very, very squishy. But the beauty of metal is that and this is what i've always said the reason metal is the greatest genre of music is because you can take any other genre of music and put, it, put it into in, metal yes. and it works yeah. you could yeah. take country you could take a banjo you could take what, whatever the hell you want whatever you think of even rap and as much as i don't care for it to be there it's there and you can do that and and part of that becomes you know where yeah like you and isaac we can have in- incredibly different tastes even though we're really part of the same subculture
0: yeah for Um, real it's just so broad yeah Yeah. (laughs) rap metal isn't making uh rap better is making metal worse (laughs) (laughs) okay i kind of agree with you there no i'm with you you (laughs) well no it's you
2: know so it's number one just to to dot your eye there uh one of my favorite bands and it used to be our intro music in the very beginning is this band called panopticon and they're (laughs) uh Black metal and Appalachian folk music—it's fucking <laughs> amazing. But it where it works, you like you said, you can just put whatever in the metal, and it fucking works most of the time. Yeah. King Diamond—that is, I mean, that is an opera. That's yes. what King Diamond is. You know, that's straight up, like he—you uh, can put him up with any opera. So it's sure. Same you know. with Queensryche. Right? I mean, yeah, yeah, absolutely. exactly. Yeah, yeah, for real, totally. Well, go, to go back to your thing about like hair metal not being metal, so like these things like evolve over time. Mm-hmm. So like now, 40, 50 years later, you might not call even like a lot of black Sabbath metal. It's very much like psychedelic classic rock. A lot of it. So, but now, cause metal has changed drastically in 40 or 50 years, but compared right. to what came before it, bands like black Sabbath, deep purple or whatever, that was fucking metal compared to what was before it but these things like change over time. And now if it doesn't have blast beats and a fucking, some guy screaming from his gut, it's not metal. Right. You know, so it's like yeah. um, these things uh, sort of just evolve over time. I don't know. How to explain
1: yeah. I, I like that though. I mean, because the importance of rock and roll and you could say that's the origin of metal. And of course, rock and roll, you know, came out of um, varying forms of, you know, black music, which, you know, thank Satan for that. And I mean, it um, just listen to Robert Johnson and, and, and you get it. But, You know, it started with rock and roll and rock and roll always has to be about pushing the limits of not just itself, but of civilization, of culture. It always has to be rebellious. And so even though myself, I'm not really one for kind of the screamo stuff. I like my vocals clean. I like my melodies. uh, At the same time, I love the fact that metal is still continually pushing the limit as to where that's another thing. No other genre of music really does country doesn't really push the limit other than say like hank williams the third where he goes into like punk and into very weird psychedelic spaces which is fine um but like you know pop and rap i mean there's still all kind of following formulas and everything as to where metal just refuses to have a formula and it just keeps pushing and pushing and and i'm i'm so grateful for that even if you know i'm not going to put on cannibal corpse every time but i might every once in a while
2: there's a video, maybe, of me changing my daughter's diaper. And we're listening to a song by Cannibal Corpse called Hammer Smashed Face. Yeah. And I'm just <laughs> I'm dancing with her legs and stuff to, to the beat and stuff. And she's just <laughs> laughing and laughing. There's another picture of her. I had just taken a shower and I had my Bluetooth speaker in there. And I was listening to this band called uh Sludge. And mm-hmm. it's like very like uh prog technical death metal. And she's in there like headbanging, like naked, just like rocking on. I'm like, this is fucking awesome. <laughs> I don't know where that came that came from, but oh um, so my background in metal is a lot of the very brutal uh death metal. That's where I that was what I first got into. That was like my first love, you know, aside from like I was really into White Zombie and Pantera when I was a kid but oh, yeah. after right after that I was uh it, it was like fucking Cannibal Corpse and Deicide and whatever. And at that age I was actually much less interested in the like I heard Opeth then and I'm like nah, this is not brutal enough for anybody who's listening Opeth is a very uh progressive metal band they they have a lot of like jazz influence and classical and uh, they have some clean vocals as well as uh growls and stuff but to me that's it's not metal enough man it's not metal enough so but it really took me like, a long time to really appreciate just like the the weird and like the vastness like uh, the, uh, the vast space that metal can like envelop where there's lots of like um other influence, and I really started to like appreciate that a lot more, but it was like uh it took me getting older and out of my teenage years, I guess to kind of uh um to to really appreciate that, but you're absolutely right, and one thing other thing I will say about metal, and then we can kind of move on if we want to but um there is like a brother and i talked about this with nick pazuzu from the, the the lead singer of the band tribe of pazuzu when we had him on is there is a fucking camaraderie amongst metalheads that it completely ignores uh gender uh ethnic boundaries religion at any of that it doesn't matter you're a metalhead first so you you can be anywhere in the world and see somebody with a Slayer shirt, and somebody's going to go fucking Slayer. It's just going to happen. It's going to happen, and it doesn't matter what color they are. It doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter how much money your daddy makes. It doesn't matter. You're a fucking metalhead first, and that that camaraderie happens does not happen with other musics except for punk. Punk's the yeah. same way, but you know, I've been in a lot of mosh pits in my time and they will beat the living shit out of you. But if you get fought, fa- like this is the example I use a lot. It's like you get knocked down. They'll pick you up. Yes. Give you a hug, give you a sip of their beer. And we'll you all go have a good, great time after that. And there's no, it's, it's all love. It's all weirdly love while you're beating the shit out of each other. <laughs> I don't, I don't know how to explain that in any other way. It's like uh there it's a, it's a, I don't want to call it a brotherhood. Cause there's a lot of badass metal chicks, but it's a camaraderie that doesn't exist in many other kinds of music.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, there's a reason it's still going strong. Uh, I I completely agree with that. There is a song by Manowar. Uh, It's a, which are pretty metal if you're going to rock them. Um, (laughs) uh, There's a song by Manowar called Die for Metal, which is a bonus track off of Warriors of the World. And that pretty much encapsulates everything you said, Sec. The whole song is about how, you know, this guy just shows up. He just lost his job. We were just talking about work, which is kind of funny, but, you know, he just lost his job and instantly he just goes to a metal concert and guys buying him a beer, you know, and everything. And, and it's just that camaraderie, that instantaneous. Um, and, and it, I, I love that song for one, but yeah, no, it, it, it is an amazing thing. And, you know, you, you just, you instantly connect with people and, you know, I've been to all different types of concerts for all different types of music and uh you feel the very different energy you feel the camaraderie at a metal show that you do not feel at a pop show uh you do not feel at a country concert that's a whole different animal that you i mean at a lot and i'm not knocking necessarily all this stuff i mean hey i'm a huge fan of janet jackson but you know it it, at at a metal show there is just there there really is something specific there um and i don't know if it's because it's reminiscent of mithraic cults or what but it's pretty amazing We'll, we'll put it that way
2: that was a great opening for a segue there brian Thank you. <laughs> I saw that. I caught that. I caught that. You're a <laughs> professional here. I've been told. <laughs> um. Right. So, yeah, I'm going to leave this up to... Uh, actually, no, I got one thing. And then All we right. can get into something weirder if we want to. All right. When you got anything to add on the metal stuff?
0: No, yeah, uh, just... I'm glad you kind of addressed uh hair metal i've always wondered how hair metal in that whole era it kind of fits in with the whole thing, but i guess it's just does, it's it's like it's like the the left and right they kind of don't really match over time it's it's a kind of ever changing thing yeah, because it's it's all i've always wanted i've always wondered generally just how that fit into uh american culture <laughs> uh the eighties <laughs> and a lot of, of it cocaine. Predates me it predates me the the eighties yeah. and a lot of cocaine that's how that <laughs> That's yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's that's some catchy there. music, but yeah, the, the aesthetics yeah, yeah. of it, I just, uh, I, I I, get that it was a thing. I don't know. I just don't can't know where it came from or where it went. Yeah, I think it, well, I'll, I'll say that very quickly and then we'll, we'll, we'll move on. Um, hair
1: metal, I think was a response to uh, disco. Well, well, yeah. Oh, certainly response to disco. Totally. And, and because disco became a big deal. Why? Because it was sexy. Uh, you know, everybody's dancing to it and doing whatever else and metal needed sexy. And that's when hair metal became a thing. Interesting.
0: And, uh, yeah. Because a lot of stuff was a, a response to disco. There was a yeah. lot of different responses to disco culturally. I call, disco uh, was apparently a hugely um, polarizing thing. Uh, cause there was all, there was all the rednecks like stomping on disco records. And there was the, the there was punk that came out of a bad passion disco, there was like, there was rap that actually came out of a hip hop like music came out of, uh, I don't know, like some of the, a lot of all the seventies music in, 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 the break beats and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how much of that there, I'm sure there was a part of that. That was a reaction to the disco, but I know like punk and a lot of hard aesthetics, um, were a reaction to disco as well as you know i know all the country musicians hated this disc- disco and everything and it was a big reaction like i mentioned on that side so it's just funny i was a very i think disco was a bit which know so, like predates my life not just my memory um yeah i think that was a very polarizing um time for people
1: yeah i mean it's also you know and, and just to bring up too it's also mtv because mtv was a visual medium And hair metal was easily the most visually distinct uh, uh, and and relied on its visuals. Think like Kiss, you know, even before they took the makeup off, um, you you know, at at the time. And so they were just tailor-made for this thing called MTV, which was such a massive cultural force that people just don't realize
2: today. Let's get weird. (laughs) yeah i was not a mtv fan back in the day sure. but i did like headbangers ball that was oh, the yeah you yeah, definitely watched a lot of that so, definitely okay. there's they put a lot of bands on there that you they were not super famous either on headbangers ball so i No, you know,
1: i would boy, have geez. never heard, have heard faith no more if it wasn't for
2: headbangers ball and i'm oh, eternally grateful yeah uh i I had you pegged for a Patton fan. I fucking love big that time from Mike Patton. So big
1: time, I'm, Mr. Bungle, whole
2: thing, absolutely. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Tomahawk. I love, yep. I love the Melvin stuff too. His work with the Melvins, the Phantomas, and the Melvins. But anyway, obscure, obscure bands nobody's heard of. Anyway, yeah. um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so we didn't get into. You know what's weird is we actually covered. We have a list for those who don't know of things that we want to talk about but are afraid that we'll forget and we weirdly like touched on several of those things without trying which is Mm -hmm. fucking weird um like i have being productive in here and also anti-work and uh metal metal's also in here yeah and that's fucking weird because we just i swear to god we didn't plan that at all but that's no i haven't looked at that list in a while so yeah (laughs) Uh -uh, me neither i just now pulled it up but um, I wanted to, we didn't get a chance to go into pacifism last time. Oof. And I want to just, no, I don't want to do a big thing, but like, oh, you don't have to do a whole thing on it. But like you call yourself a pacifist. and I just want to know, like, what does that mean to you? Sure.
1: Yeah. Um, so uh, if somebody wanted to say, read entire books on the matter, uh, I'll just bring this up at first, but then I'll get into, you know, get into it more personally. Um, but the uh, Global Center for Non-Killing, which was started by Gene Sharp, who, yes, did his research for the CIA. Um, I don't think that makes something inherently wrong. In fact, I think it makes it inherently interesting. Uh, it might, you know, it might end up being used for nefarious purposes. And I think a lot of Gene Sharp's work was, but um, you know just because something was cia funded again does not
0: make it like unworthy research whatsoever um otherwise um, just to go ahead just to interrupt um i think james c scott also worked for the cia in some in some capacity I can i've that. heard so uh, yeah and so I, I think they were doing they were funding a lot of a lot of stuff uh, over the years yeah also, i mean this,
2: thornley ahead. uh sorry thornley the one of the guys that uh created the church of discordia was apparently yeah. working for the cia for a little while so,
1: well understand we're, we're, i mean r- go ahead
2: no no just everybody was apparently that's just how it went in the 70s or something i don't know yeah
1: yeah, yeah. i mean so we talked about this and i think maybe in the last into the void i mean but uh, i'll be very brief but just that you know the cia came out of effectively came out of the u.s uh kind of came out of the U.S. Army right before, you know, before there was a CIA, we had the OSS that would exist in varying times of need. Um, But and so, you know, part of the Army, in fact, I was I was in this. I was 36 uniform. That was my MOS, um, you know, is, is psychological operations. Now, they still have that there. But that was that was, you know, a lot of the 36 uniform department years ago before there was a cia uh you know would go into the cia and so you could argue that while yes its purpose is espionage part of it you know its initial okay how do we do great espionage was understanding uh psychology was understanding the human psyche you know so the idea that the cia funds things that end up becoming like say the work of james c scott you know looking into you know anarchism or whatever else or you know in other populations that like in zomia Right, where where uh, China continues to have a problem with them. We just can't conquer and tax these people, goddammit. Or, you know, somebody starting the Church of Discordia and so on. Um, It's not a surprise because that's the research the CIA was interested in, even if, you know, I mean, sometimes these people didn't know they're even being funded by the CIA, quite frankly. But anyway, that just laying out a little bit of history and just making sure the point is clear that because i when i've brought up gene sharp before instantaneously everybody just says oh he was working for the cia and it's like and what almost everybody honestly has worked for the cia at some point whether they realize it or not you know and and so that argument doesn't really hold water you need to disprove what the person's saying first regardless um so if anybody wants to, you know, kind of read up on that, I think it's a very worthwhile read. Gene Sharp has done a lot of research on real world examples of pacifism, um, you know, kind of his, his mainstay things. And this will get into you know, my point on it. Um, one of his mainstay things is that just because there is an occupying force within a specific geography does not mean that it is the dominant force. Just because there's an occupying force does not mean that it is uh, inherently the government of that geographic area and he brings up a lot of examples where this is true uh ukraine a lot of areas of the middle east uh some could people could even argue that pakistan you know uh, or i'm um, uh, Palestine. sorry the palestinians not pakistan uh, well actually pakistan that's a different subject but the palestinians you know may recognize a different government than netanyahu right so you know, just because there is something that claims to be the controlling force doesn't mean that it has to be and that there can be, you know, pacifistic resistance and a completely there There can actually be opposing governments in the same geographic area. So anyway, read up on Gene Sharp, uh, the Global Center for Non-Killing. It's really, really fascinating stuff. OK, so now getting into my own pacifism. Um, hey,
3: y'all, it's Resonance. Um, yeah, from... The Let's Make Some Shit Podcast Uh, here, telling you guys about some of the new stuff I've got at Appalachian Apothecary. Right now, I have a remineralizing tooth powder that's made with calcium carbonate and bentonite clay. Um, I have a four-ounce jar that I'm selling for ten bucks a piece, and then uh, also I've done a couple of body butters. Um, they're whipped tallow, body butters, one's infused with arnica, and the other one is a very potent pain reliever, and if you'd like more info on that, you can find me at Radical underscore Resonance on Telegram, or at Mother of Chaos, X-A-O-S, on Twitter. Um, I'd be happy to make tinctures for you regarding like any medical condition that you have, so please reach out to me, and let's see if we can get you some herbal remedies.
1: I think the first thing that I always have to say is that when I say pacifism, that doesn't mean it doesn't mean that you can't throw a punch. It doesn't mean that you can't push somebody. Okay, Um, my pacifism is more specifically non-lethality. Okay, or like Gene Sharp would call it Um, non-killing. I consider pacifism, you know, going as far as you can to ensure a lack of a lack of lethality a lack of death um you know i i refuse to kill somebody uh and that's that's ultimately my pacifism is that i refuse
2: to kill another human being um so and go ahead sorry i just want to i want to dig into the details a little bit because everyone yeah, sure. seems to have a slightly different View of what pacifism is, and some right. people, I do not consider myself a pacifist. But the way I've heard some pacifists describe their views, I'm like, well, I mean, I yeah, I agree with that. That's not what I thought pacifism was, though. You know, like mm-hmm. so, so like just now you said going as far as you can to ins- uh, to uh, not engage in lethal acts, or, or I'm sorry, mm-hmm. I'm misquoting you, but essentially that's what you said. Yeah. Yep. And. What, so where's that line? Like, so is there a line that you, you could cross? That, or is there a line that somebody could cross that you would engage in a lethal act? Because I think everyone has, like, uh, nobody, I don't think violence is everybody's first or even lethality is everybody's first choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there's a, I think people get pushed to a certain point and then engage in uh, in, in, a lethal act. And then like mine would be protecting my kids. Mm-hmm. And so um, like, where's that line for you? I guess, would you uh, take a life to save your own or the one of one of your loved ones? You know what I mean? Like if you had to.
1: Yeah. So there's a great saying. It's supposedly a Chinese saying, even though I, I think it's an Americanism, but whatever. There's a great saying that those who think, uh, you know um oh crap <laughs> now i'm forgetting exactly how it goes but uh you know those those who think you know that there's there's always essentially those who think that you have to use violence at some point has never had a mosquito on their balls and and i like that a lot um who was that uh Confucius? Yeah, something like that, right? (laughs) Uh, And and it's
2: uh, attributed to him, but I don't think Confucius
1: ever. Yeah, no, no, I think it's an Americanism. But I love that, you know. Um, So, as far as what the line is, if there is a line, I mean, I would say right now there is no line. Um, But would I know in the future? Could something happen? I mean, I guess maybe, you know, and, you know, the human brain is in many ways, incredibly versatile and incredibly resilient, but then it is also in other ways, very fragile. So, you know, we, we, it's very hard for somebody to say these things with, with any real definitiveness. Um, I like to think I'm an incredibly intelligent guy and have spent much of my life figuring out ways to avoid um, conflict or even avoid lethality. I mean, even if we want to talk about war, Sun Tzu, of course, one of his most famous sayings in The Art of War is that the greatest warrior never, you know, basically uh, never goes to war. And his meaning in that is that the real battle is always psychological. The real battle is not one where, you know, like the, the, the greatest warrior actually never has to go to battle because the enemy might be so terrified of him, things like this, whatever. And I mean, I could get into an entire diatribe around self-defense and it's more because self-defense is more than just like knowing things. I mean, yeah, so I'm, I'm, you know, expert in Krav Maga, uh, but self-defense has almost nothing to do with any kind of martial art has almost nothing to do with, uh, weapons, with guns, with things like this. Um, it's self-defense is 90% psychological. Um, you know, the, a person effectively, a person who knows what they're doing with their body or with whatever implement they have with them, um, would you know, even the smallest person will beat somebody over six feet tall, 250 pounds, jacked as fuck, who doesn't know exactly what they're doing, you know, um, so kind of going around this, but bottom line being, I don't know of a line that that I have where, where I wouldn't engage with this, um, that said. You know, a pacifist is, of course, always welcome to walk away. And so if I was in a scenario where, okay, like, no, I didn't kill this person, but they find themselves in a situation where, you know, it could be lethal to them. Um, You know, I'm not necessarily uh, uh, required or I'm in no way required to save them, you know, in that sense. Um, I think if I were to put it really simply, my pacifism is I'm Batman. Uh, No, I mean, I'm not Batman, but, you know, uh, the idea, uh, I I don't, I'm not one for guns. uh, And yeah, I'm not, I'm just not going to kill
2: people. So, you know, something I I say to like uh, people I know, it's like, you know, the best way to get your vehicle uh, unstuck from the mud. You don't get your vehicle stuck in the first place. Yes, exactly. So you're right that. I think most conflict can be avoided. And I don't mean this in like a you, you, I don't mean like you, you walk away or you back down from a fight. Even I just mean, you see these things coming ahead of time and you avoid uh, uh, dangerous situations of all kinds. You know, you kind of Mm -hmm. think about things ahead of time and you're, uh, you know, make sure you're aware of your surroundings and, these are all self-defense too. You know, yes. like, you use your, use your brain to get, to not get yourself in a shitty situation in the mm-hmm. first place where you're cornered and have to fight or what anything like that. So um, I agree with what you're saying. And I, I value nonviolence quite a bit. I, I yeah. don't, uh, I have a weird love hate relationship with violence in the sense that I actually enjoy violence like a, uh, I really like – I used to really like uh, wrestling with my friends, and I used to like mm-hmm. – we used to do a lot of, like, backyard MMA, and, like – Sure. Uh, I, and the fights I've been in, I really enjoyed being in the fight at the time. But I also recognize, because I have a fucking brain, that this is, like, a bad way to solve things, and it has a lot of negative consequences. It's, like, sort of – uh you know, like short-term hedonism versus long-term hedonism, yeah. where, like, <laughs> where like you can think of the the long-term effects of these things, and like overall, your life is much just much better if you can engage and solve things non-violently as much as possible. I agree with all that. Yes. Yeah. Sometimes, though, you you cannot know someone's intent. So, like a recent thing that went around the internet is like, um, you know, you shouldn't harm someone for coming in and robbing your stuff. Um, because you're you're oh you and I, and I agree you probably shouldn't take anybody's life for fucking robbing your stuff obviously, but um, you sh- you know there your stuff is not worth using violence. Okay, that speaks to me, and I hate to be this person that speaks to me as someone without children, because that would be fine. You do not. You just can't understand the intent of the person. If I knew that they were just going to grab my whatever the thing and leave, it'd be mm-hmm. one thing. I'm not gonna. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Just get out of my house. You know, whatever. I, I can replace stuff. I'm not worried about stuff. Yeah. I don't know what they're gonna do next, right? So I'm at that point. I'm going to be at least in a a ready pos uh, a ready position to use force if necessary. I'm not saying I'm going to sure, immediately yeah. start shooting my gun, but I'm going to be ready to at that point, because I have children to protect. And yeah. it's, it's one thing with me, if it was just me, you know, it's, it's one thing like I, I can control the situation between me and that person very easily. It's Mm -hmm. much harder for me to control the situation between that person and me, me and that person, and also protect my children who cannot defend themselves at the same time. Yeah, that's. I have to eliminate that threat before it becomes too much. Do you know what I'm saying?
0: Sure. I think you're talking about two different two two things too. You're talking about one the fact that you have kids and they're defenseless, and that you're like you have a duty to protect your children, in a Mm -hmm. way that you might be open to more what what amounts to uncertainty um, if, if the children weren't involved. So that's one thing. The other thing is like, yeah, you don't know someone's intent and you might, you're not wrong to resist somebody. You're not wrong to resist somebody robbing you or stealing from you or whatever. And then, they will predictably, you know, you, you can't predict a situation. A, you can't know anyone's intent, but additionally, if you try to resist somebody, they'll resist your resistance instantly. Like they'll counter your resistance. And then it's, it's necessary. Yeah, now you're it's escalating. Yes. Up until lethal force, anyway. And you can't know whether that would or would not happen. They don't even know whether that would or would not happen <laughs> at, at the time because they don't have full knowledge of what they are going to do in the future for whatever various reason they're robbing you in the first place. So I don't, I think there's, I think it's pretty wide latitude if it's a forcible robbery, as opposed to like, say someone stealing something from a distance. Would you take a, know hypothetically, would you take a 300 yard shot on somebody with this, you know, if you if you no, of hit that not. Far. No, you know no. exactly. But 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 I think you get a wide latitude when it comes to somebody doing a forcible, what, what amounts to a forcible felony, like a forcible entry assault near on home. your yeah people, yeah,
1: yeah. Okay, so so I I hear that sec, and I and I and I and I get it. Um, the I mean, so we're dealing with a situation of unknowns, and the flip side of that coin is you don't know why the other person's doing this. And that's an issue, you know, like, OK, if if they're breaking into your house and doing whatever, I mean, they're, they're, like there's so many things that you got to be able to read of what's going on. But, you know, if we're talking about people and and then I hear you that, oh, they could hurt, you know, one of your kids. They could do this. And 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 I get that, you know, but w- like what if they're going for a can of tomatoes? What if they're going for, you know, whatever? And And you find out they're stealing from you so they can feed their kids. You know and and that's the problem is that there's so many unknowns in this, and that's one of the big reasons why my uh hard line is non lethality because I can't know what's going on in that person's mind you know i like i i I can't know why they're doing this there could literally be a very like honestly in my opinion a justified reason that they might be engaging this. I know people might bristle you know again there's another thing people might bristle at, but you know, would I if I had children or if my wife is starving, would I and and for whatever scenarios happening that I don't have yeah, the money or whatever
2: on. I possibly could Yes.
1: fucking right? Like I mean, I'd, be, I'd be swiping everything I could, you know, yeah. so so that, that's that's the issue is that we're dealing with so many unknowns in this and lethality is the thing you can't replace you yes. can replace all the shit in your house or in your store or in anything else you can't replace the life right. and so so that's why i can't go that distance i mean and and of course well anyway I, i'll stop there and let you guys respond go ahead
2: well okay so okay, I, again okay. if somebody's in there stealing for fucking to feed their family i would probably feed them do you understand? Like, okay, yeah, and I'm totally. never gonna use. I'm never gonna use force just to replace my stuff. I'm not worried. About, or I'm not. I'm never gonna use lethal force at least to replace my stuff. That's not happening. Mm-hmm. But, um, but they're in my home, and yes, I would try to de-escalate the situation, try to get the mm-hmm. person to leave. All of these things, but I would at the, the entire time be ready to use force at any time because mm-hmm. I just, I just, I'm, I'm getting like shaky thinking about this. Yeah, The idea of somebody coming into my home with my kids sleeping, like I just there's too much there. Like uh, like uh, there's too many things that could go wrong very quickly is what Mm -hmm. I mean. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just I would at at any point I would have to be to for the sake of my children, be ready to use force. Now, that would be my last resort. I'm not I'm not going to shoot somebody for walking out with my food or my stuff. I'm not going to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm probably not going to use force right away either. I will probably try to get them to leave or talk to them first. But if, if things go you know sideways and they start acting in ways that uh, are seem threatening, I, I, you know, I don't know. I can't, I will not allow just for the same reason I would steal to feed my children. I would do anything <laughs> to protect my children. And there is yep. no line. There is no line. So, uh, I mean, I would like, you have no idea, like it, my, what my wife and I have talked about this before, or my my lady. It's scary, the extent that you will go for children. It's fucking weird. It's the weirdest thing in the world, in the sense that it makes you almost more conservative in a lot of ways. Like, mm-hmm. and I mean that not in a political sense, like a um, uh, less willing to take risk, more uh, desiring routine and the familiar in certain ways, but in the other, and in some other weird ways, it makes you really, really fucking dangerous because like, I mean, there would be, I, I mean, I'm sorry, there would be piles of bodies to protect my children. Do you know what I mean? So like, sure. Yeah. Um, so like, I, I just, I understand where you're coming from and I, I agree with you all the, like all the way up until the point where any of that fails. Where uh, any kind of non non violent, you know, communicating with them, trying to get them to leave, trying to talk to them, trying to, if they're stealing food, bro, I will fucking let's go. I'll go buy you lunch right now. Like right. it's fine. Like, uh, right. this is cool. Just don't come in my house like this. And, uh, you know, if you're hungry, I'll feed you. Uh, you know, so I will do all of those things, but it starts getting real shady and going sideways. I mean, I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna use at least be ready to use force, if not use force. That's just how... Yeah, I
0: mean. um, but we, we do have to look when we come. We get into these arguments and everything. Maybe I'm going to have... There's no like,
2: argument. I understand, but Brian. Yeah, oh, right, right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: No, yeah. Not, not, not arguments between you, too. I'm just saying, when people argue about the use of force in general, especially use of force to defend property in general, I mean, we do have to look at Reality, like I've I've seen, pe- there is like a long tradition of norms, whether it is through like um, histor- historical historical. I know Islamic rulers when and in, and in, 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 in that law is very very specific and a very harsh punishment for theft, but when it's food make an exception or I've seen videos on YouTube where like convenience store owners actually they're also Muslim, that just happened to be. But I think this norm extends past that where convenience store owners that are actually in a position to actually know that a person is stealing food. Specifically they're stealing and you know what they're stealing because you're watching them when they watch them on the camera. It was really just one of those videos that happened to show up on my feed through the algorithm. And it was like oh uh, yeah they let them keep the food and I've seen like other store other stories like that where literally when, when it's food but so much theft and it's definitely robbery and burglary like there is not very few burglaries or robberies where someone is trying to steal food or, or is trying to steal specifically to support just just you know their food and shelter and our shelter is very hard uh very expensive in, at, at this point so it's like you could conceivably you couldn't possibly know that and you couldn't possibly have that information at the time um but very often you're not having somebody stealing food, not have, you're not being robbed just to pay for somebody's, you know, basic nutrition or something like that. And even if, even if that were the case, you wouldn't have that basic sense of information. Plus you have a you, you have a sense of self-preservation, even if you don't have kids and everything. So I think, again, I think there should be a wide latitude since you can't read minds as, as a third party to judge the situation. You cannot read minds. So I think there should be generally a wide latitude towards, you know, crimes of, of force now, uh, shoplifting is a different thing. I don't think shoplifting is should be just you know. Look, uh, plenty of people own stores; they own stores themselves. I don't know if, if you don't have sympathy for uh, large corporations. You know, uh, I don't know if, if we're going to make different laws and different rules for different size businesses. But putting that aside, like yeah, I, okay, people, someone runs a store; they're they're it's going to be against their interests um, to you know have their. their property stolen um and I, I but that's a situation where it is a minute there is less of a risk there is less of a I, I do like to think of a situation where we're all just like independent business people and it's the it's the it's 1760 and we're all independent business people and it's, it's ye olde general shop or whatever fine uh, that's one good way to look at what maybe ideal norms should be or in, in, in a more ideal situation at least in terms of just a hyper pure hypothetical. Um, I know. I know. Shoplifting discourse gets a little tricky, obviously. Um, sure. But at least that's a situation where generally someone is like concealing something and leaving a store, and you don't I'm have pro shoplifting, a situation by where the someone's way burger- Yeah. Same. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, again, that discourse gets tricky. I, I can't. I can't say that I'm like. I, I can't see them like pro shoplifting you know cases. I mean but- if
2: you saw a, a a mother shoplifting formula no you fucking didn't that's where I that's where I said but, but anyway, I go know ahead. but right. that's
0: again that's not <laughs> well, every <laughs> exactly but, but, but well, the point not- I'm saying is, Go ahead. At, le- at least at least shoplifting, at least shoplifting. Let's say it's a small business owner and we have sympathy for him. Okay, mate, I guess, um, some amount of sympathy for him. At least that situation is one of like minimal threat to the, that person, whether or not they should have the right to stop the person or whatever. Uh, but in most situations, someone someone's co- coming up to you and pulling a knife on you, pulling a gun on you, entering your dwelling, something like that. Like, you're, you've got to assume the worst. You've got to have a sense of self preservation and assume the worst. And but you know i i do see obviously there i think there is a norm like if somebody is literally se- walking out of a store my store or or walking out of my house with a can of beans and i see they have a can of beans in their hands if that situation did arrive hypothetically that's a totally different ballpark and that's a totally different ballpark it's just that we don't usually in the moment have that that perfect information
1: well OK, so I'm going to bring in and we kind of we kind of hinted at, at the entertainment thing, entertainment industry earlier as well. But I want to bring it in again. Um, I mean, I applaud a lot of businesses, even the little bit or, you know, even uh, <laughs> entry level businesses will say like fast food, where they tell you if someone, you know, comes up to the register with a gun, you give them whatever they ask for, you know, do not be the hero. Do not be the hero. Um, and I applaud that. Uh, the problem is. Is that a lot of our, and, and there's another scenario I'm going to bring in here in a second. The problem is a lot of our responses that we have to varying scenarios that we could come up with, frankly, come from entertainment. And I don't just mean TV shows or movies. It could be books, could be whatever. Like, And I think there, there's a real problem with that because there, there's this hero complex that gets created and the idea that if you are the hero, there is some kind of reward and that reward is either, you know, the hero who saves the day ends up with the girl at the end or what. Um, and I and, and look, I'm a guy who loves action movies. OK, you know, don't 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 confuse me here. But there is a real problem with that, where I think how people want to react to these sorts of scenarios or how they think they should react to most of these scenarios are not based in reality. They are based in fiction. Um, they're based in cultural memes that are in everybody's head. so. There's that problem. And this leads to the second thing, which is a different case. Let's forget about, shop I mean, we don't have to forget about it, but you know, let, let's move, we can move on from shoplifting. And let's say it's a situation of, of, of murder. We have the statistics. We know, we, we've had the, the over a century or more of cases to know this, that most murders are a one-off. It's a crime of passion. Like this is just known that somebody just for whatever reason, snaps in a scenario or whatever it's a crime that doesn't belittle the crime but the point is not everybody walking around is a fucking murderer you know like or like there's only i don't even know what the minuscule percentile of people that are ted bundy's in the world are if there's even one in every generation who the fuck knows okay and but the problem is netflix and everything else is telling us oh they're fucking they're everywhere you know, oh, and, and, you know, watch this show and this drama and this and this and this and oh, everybody's out to fucking get everybody and everybody's a goddamn murderer and everybody's, you know, when that's just not true. And we know that it's not. Now, again, I'm not I'm not belittling the one offs, but we, we we really can psychologically, uh, uh, you know, at, after it's done and when we know for a fact that's the person that did it. Um, you know, we can analyze these things and realize that, OK, this was a one off. This is there's not just a bunch of bad people going around. You know, and that's that's another one of the major issues with this, is that everybody... Well, I think... A, go ahead.
0: I just want to interrupt, I think, an important yeah. thing, a distinction to make, too, because I watch a lot of true crime and stuff like that, and interrogations and stuff like that, uh, mm-hmm. true crime videos. Really popular, really well-produced stuff on YouTube, so it's great, you know, of entertainment and everything. Sure. Um, yeah, I, I want to point out that even though there... Even with a lot of these cases of murder, um, the uh, relation... There's always almost always a relation between the, uh, the perpetrator and the victim so it's often yeah. friends or family and it's pretty shocking but i mean if you're talking about if you're talking about in cases of i mean it's still pretty rare obviously um there's street violence you take you, you put the street violence in one category then you've got and you take and then you take out the people that are killing their families or spouses or or some some close relation like that and you get a pretty small number and like strangers you get a very very small number well, yeah, and you raise a great point there, Penguin. But even I mean, if it is, when it does happen, it, the fact that it's like your family member, that's right. not what people are thinking. No, right. And, and, and I, you
1: know, I don't know the statistics on this, but I'm going to look it up after we do the show or after we're done with the show. I would not be surprised to find out that most murders are done by family members, like, you know, against another family member. And that the amount of murders, the amount of deaths by strangers, not counting wars, which is you know, a separate conversation, but a worthwhile one. Uh, it, like, I, I bet the numbers astronomically high. Uh,
0: Boyfriend, so, girlfriend. Yeah, uh, yeah you're know, most, most likely most likely to kill your spouse. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yes. So, my mom always do, said you, that how many people back in the day used to, used to, um, you know, the, the, they said the the wife or the the husband just up and left, or the wife just got caught a train ticket to caught train ticket to Oregon and everything, and they and really they were at the bottom of the well. Out at the farm, or they got, th- you know, maybe thrown to the pigs or something. Oh, well, yeah, it pretty, probably pretty happened more it. so. Back often in it history. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and you just so never
1: but this is the thing is that this is not, other than the true crime stuff, um, you know, which I know is wildly popular these days, um, you know, most of the cultural messaging, whatever that comes from, is, does not parlay that fact, you know, and, and if you're scared, well, I gotta have a gun because somebody's gonna fucking kill me, well, you better have that gun pointed at your spouse. At all times, because statistically, I bet that's where the, that, that's where most murders occur. And, you know, but who's good? Who, you know, you say that to somebody and they're going to say it's ridiculous. And then I'm going to say, right, it's ridiculous. Uh, so what do you got, Zach?
2: So I think this leads to I completely agree with you. I think this leads to uh, kind of a broader conversation that maybe we could do another time. But I think most people value non-conflict. I don't sure. think most people like engaging in conflict no, violence or non i don't there's sure there's always that person you've met or you know that like kind of thrives on drama and rumors yeah and whatever and the thing But i think most people don't really like confrontation they don't like violence it's not very comfortable for most people on the, in the planet so you're right murders are very very rare um, it, violence is, is surprisingly rare for the amount of, aside from war, again, but uh, is surprisingly wear, uh, rare, uh, considering the amount of people on the planet. And so, yeah, you're right. You look at the news, and you look at the all these series and the true crime documentaries, and whatever, and you you would think that like everybody's getting murdered all the time, when actually like uh, murder has been steadily declining for like decades and decades and decades. So, but um, and you're right. You're most likely to get killed by your spouse here's the thing if your spouse wants to kill you you're not going to prevent that it's Mm -hmm. it's not something you can really take action Uh, you could you could leave and never have a spouse or you could like keep your spouse under constant surveillance and maybe you'll whatever the thing but that sounds like a terrible way to live your life and yeah, it's I mean, not, You just go
0: never find yourself never be in that situation. Just I, never have a spot you. in that situation. Yeah, you're, just don't do that. You're, no.
1: right. I mean, what are you gonna do? Put tamper to uh, tamper proof tape on all the antifreeze bottles? Like <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you, that's what I mean. Yeah. You can't you live like that.
2: that. Yeah, exactly right. So and even if you did all that, they'd still be able to get around it. They live next to you. They sleep right. next to you. They, you know, right. maybe make you food. You know, you're just not gonna be able to prevent that. But you might be able to prevent, like, with some basic, like, sort of operational security, like, other bad things from happening. Not just violence, but, like, uh, you know, yes, violence from other people, but also, like, uh, you know, uh, accidents and and that sort of thing. You can prevent those with some measures. It would be you could spend all of your time trying to prevent your spouse from killing you and still not succeed. It's like it's a fool's errand. There's just no way you're going to do that. But you can prevent, like, um. You know, with basic security on your house, you can try to prevent people from coming in your house or anything like that. Or even even though that is unlikely, like I'm prepared for natural disasters. This is also unlikely. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I still prepare for these things because if it does happen, I don't want to be caught with my pants down and my parent, my family's screwed and and blah, 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 blah. blah. So I have, a, you know, a basic responsibility for these things. Same thing with like violence. Uh, someone committing violence against me and my family is probably super unlikely, but I'm still going to be like somewhat prepared for it. You know, um, like I know the entry points to get onto my property. Do you know what I mean? Like I just right. basic things like, and, and, um, you know, I, there isn't a right answer here. This is just perspective. Really. It's just a, yeah. a matter of subjective preferences. There's not a right answer, but, um, you know, the, like there are certain measures that you can take, including force, that uh, you would take f- against someone that may uh, commit violence at you, against you. Just like any other sort of unlikely thing, we might prepare, prepare ourselves for. So, even though, like this, your spouse is um, your spouse is most likely to kill you. There's no realistic way to prevent that. So you right. just have to fucking roll the dice. It's be like, uh, you know, trying to, I don't know. I can't think of a better. You um, know, like the air is bad for you. Okay. Well, I don't know what I'm supposed to do about I mean, I could wear a gas mask all the time, but that's never going to, you know, I'm going to have to take that off eventually. And then I, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, it's not, it's not a, a realistic, like uh comparison. No. I don't think. Right. To, like, being prepared of, like, a stranger coming in, which is, I mean, it it's possible. It's it's not likely that they want to kill you, but these things, uh, you know, can go sideways, too. You know, like, rob- robberies go sideways sometimes. And it would be, Penguin made a great point earlier. It's like, okay, but you don't want to immediately go for force because now you're the one escalating <laughs> this situation. And now you turned it into kind of a deadly situation where... Like, um, uh, you're right. I, uh, people want to be the hero. They want to like, oh, I'm going to protect my family and I'm going to shoot them and blah, blah, blah. And I, I'm a big, strong man or whatever the thing. It's like, no, the way, like the best case scenario in that situation is like, no one's getting hurt. Right. Including my family. So if I start shooting or engaging in force with that person, there's also a, uh, a chance that that, uh, could go badly for me and my family um and i just i could have maybe solved that in a better way and everybody walked away alive you know like bullets ricochet you know fights break out and once fights break out you can't always control where that goes you know like so you don't know what's going to happen or they might also have a gun and now you're in a shootout in your house with sheetrock walls between you and your family you know so i I understand all these like i have no interest in being the big strong tough hero but i do want my family to be alive you know so no no, let let me be clear
0: where i go ahead ahead, sorry no go ahead Uh, oh let me let me be clear where i i stand for that um I, i i do think that if 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 somebody has the is in the right or ha- you know, has the right to escalate forces, the person is being you know, uh, assaulted, intruded upon, burglarized, et cetera, uh, being robbed or whatever. Uh, I, I think that person has more of a right to you know, be the one that, I mean, obviously they have all the right to use force in, in, in terms of, I guess, rights or whatever, who's right or rights, however how you want to look at it. Um, and I think that's entirely reasonable in a lot of situations where you don't know what's going on. I mean, you don't have perfect information. You don't have, you can't even probably see um the situation uh so it's perfectly fine to if someone's entering your home while it's occupied it's perfectly fine to shoot him and kill him in my opinion simple as that i mean it should be wide latitude wide latitude to do that um but but well no i didn't i wasn't that clear about that but no but there's a caveat to that which is that that's a big deal you're gonna make a mess it's going to be you've taken a life, even I don't care what legal system, a legal order you've done. You've now taken a life and you've got it. You've got it some way, even it's like the cops say, even, even if it's just paperwork and it's a lot more than paperwork for them. They have to go through all this stuff, too. But like, imagine if you're not a cop, like th- there is you got to answer to somebody about that situation because you've taken a life. Um or you know, in ancient times, before there was a established legal order, there'd be a situation where that could start a blood feud, regardless of the situation of who um, was on whose property or whatever, because property rights were also you know primitive at the time. Or in a current legal order, for example, there's still a whole lot of people you've got to answer to, and still go out. You know, you might be dealing with that situation for months. Um, I don't imagine that there is a legal order where you don't, where you do take a take a life, where you don't have. To, uh, a lot of headaches or you start you escalate to physical altercation there's injuries and the injuries take time to heal and this is why I don't like violence do it.
2: because it causes so it more still problems in your head- down the road
0: yes it's still in your interest to de-escalate if possible it's still in your, in your interest to use as little force as possible I think just in your self-interest to be honest with you
1: yeah um no I, I, I agree uh I mean I I i will lay out i want to you know kind of kind of uh cap it off with you know what what you can do or what i think is worthwhile that one can do what i do um you know to prevent these things because there there are a lot uh but i mean i won't go over all of them of course um but something i like what you're bringing up penguin about that you have to live with it and you know i don't this conversation isn't i mean it's hard especially you know like sec you know bring in family and all this stuff, it's hard for not to get emotional. And I, and I don't want this argument to be emotional. And I'm, so I'm not making an emotional argument here. I'm trying to be very, uh, just matter of fact. And that, uh, most of the people who want to be the hero have probably never taken a life. Now, earlier I flippantly had stated that, you know, how I fought in two wars. Well, I actually did. And, um, I'm not someone who, you know, I'm not somebody who I'm not, some hippie here nothing against hippies i'm not some hippie here who's like oh i'll never take a life or you know anything like that no I've, I've taken plenty um probably more than than most on the planet and and i'm not proud of that uh and there is a natural reaction that most and i've seen it many many times that most people have when they take another life regardless of how justified they feel they vomit they throw up i mean you feel so goddamn sick first, second, third, fourth, fifth time you do it, eventually, yeah, sure, you get kind of desensitized to it. And when you get to that desensitization, you know, maybe then you can kind of accept it and you're ready for it and you feel more confident in doing it and things like this. And then, okay. The problem is that even, again, like I said about being justified, the problem is, and this speaks to my point that you just don't know why the other person was doing what they were doing. The problem is that even if you think you're so justified in what you did and know that person had to go, it was him or me is that you can find out later on, maybe even years later on the reality of that situation. So for me, the reality of the situation was I was in the U S military and I was shooting Brown people. And the realization I came to years later was that I was actually the bad guy. And I thought I was the good guy. I thought, you know, here I am being patriotic. Yeah, they they did this to the you know, the twin towers and everything and blah blah blah. No, I'm 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 blowing up people's homes. You know, like no shit they came after me with a gun. Like of course they would. And you just you very and and that's one of the worst things is that when you think about it later on and after you've engaged in what is effectively the final solution taking somebody's life and you realize motherfucker i could have done something differently or motherfucker i was wrong and that feeling you don't it's not it doesn't even matter paperwork any of that stuff whatever that feeling will haunt you forever and it is the worst it is the absolute worst and so you know that's something that i think a lot of people don't realize because they think they're being the hero but what happens when you find out you're the villain after the fact uh and and that it's terrible what do you got sec
2: I appreciate you sharing that, that experience. I really do. I know that was probably hard to do. So I, I, thanks for doing that.
1: Sure. Yeah. I mean, again, I don't want it to be emotional. Like I consider that a fact, like I've seen so many people vomit after the first time they've killed, Um, you know, and, and that, and there's other people where they've had this realization I've talked to them, you know, uh, and, and, and it's a very real thing that happens for so many Um, or if they don't come to that realization, they end up with PTSD the rest of their life. And that can come just as much from defending your house as it could be your country. Yeah. So, well, I'll I'll back you up
2: there because I've never, I've never taken a life, but I have gotten in some really brutal fights and Mm -hmm. uh, beaten people pretty badly. And. I was never a bully. I never really like went looking for fights, but I would never ever back down from one, you know? Yeah, sure. right And, and I was completely okay with escalating. Um, mm-hmm. I, I just, I didn't, I was young and stupid and angry, you know, but, and so still to this day, I can see like certain images in my head that I was probably, yeah, technically justified in that situation, but I would beat them so badly. Past, past the point that like, past the point of just like uh, uh, you know uh, extinguishing a threat you know what I mean like well it was not proportional and I could see like the way their face was all bruised and bloodied and whatever I could still see it in my head right now as I'm talking about it so I understand that that shit never leaves you and it doesn't after a while just doesn't matter if you're fucking quote justified or not and like looking back you know I was a young man then but like looking back now you know fucking 20 years later or something it's like well did you really have to just keep beating him after he was on the ground? You know, like, did, was that really justified? You know, like, so, like, I, I understand. Like, I mm-hmm. understand completely what you're saying. Like, yeah, this is why, this is, uh, like, all, to me, the arguments of why, like, violence is not, it's not a good route, for, even in your own, like Penguin said, in your own self-interest, which is the reason I don't like violence. It's not. That um, it can be very effective in the short term, but there's a lot of like long term consequences, including psychological, like which is what we're talking about here. And it'll fuck you up. Um, You know, I still think about these things now, 20 years later, and it's obviously it's probably some kind of P- PTSD or whatever. But, uh, you know, I worked through it my own way, but I could still see those images in my brain and my memory is not good. I don't remember things well, but I can still see them so yeah. like that's you're right you have to live with these actions too and that you know your your mental health isn't nothing you know uh so it's also something to consider as well yeah
1: yeah no i appreciate yeah. sharing that as well um or penguin did you have something
0: um i'm just thinking that you know just to use as a, as a basic groundwork the legal standard maybe for like a justifiable homicide even now under the current legal system which is you know when it comes to some of these broad concepts they're just they're they're long held things that I, sometimes go back to common law and it's okay what is the like legal and moral justification like really broadly speaking not looking at specific laws and but passed by specific governments or anything but like, like i said broad legal traditions it goes back in many cases thousands of years what's like the standard that's in place and is it like reasonable to like the norms of society i mean you're supposed to say that i have like a reason of, a reasonable person would fear that their life is a danger or life of somebody else is in danger in a certain situation and like yeah that's what you have to prove in court and i know you know we have criticism of of, of state-run courts but that, i mean just that as a general concept i mean like I said, you might have to give the person aggressed upon the, the benefit of the doubt. When is a situation where you have to give one side or the other, obviously the benefit of the doubt, but, um, you know, there, you don't have a moral, um, you don't have a, a the, the moral case for, for using like lethal force or for taking a life and something. And obviously, yes, it also it will be tough, no matter how justified you were. I, I do agree with that. And I haven't done it, but from the evidence that I've seen, that's perfectly the case. And I would have certainly expected it to be the case. But again, if it's a moral situation for you to make that choice, you shouldn't, you don't, you did not have really a choice. You had to act in the moment if you had that reasonable fear, um, either out of self-preservation or preservation for your your companions or your children. So I don't think there's any... You you know, I mean, there's the the moral aspect of this, it's it's not like, oh, what um, the worst thing you can hear somebody say, and obviously this person has never taken a life, most people haven't taken a life, so it's not that hard to imagine that someone has it, but the worst thing you can hear someone say is like, how much force can I get away with in a certain situation? What situation can I shoot somebody? And you'll hear that from time to time, and that's like one of my biggest pet peeves in, in, in all of life, no categories, like that is one of my biggest pet peeves in the entire world because that is not the norms of society and of any society um, which universally is like against certainly against killing and violence, you know, even if there are huge carve outs in certain situations, you know, I mean, war, obviously that is considered justified by most people um, under statism or whatever, under, under typical norms, typical status norms. Um, so you may have large carve outs, but the default position still is against any killing yes. and generally any violence. That is the default position. Everything else is, is a carve out or a caveat. So, uh, uh, yeah, there yeah. is the case of like what's legal, and then there's the case of what's moral. What's moral has to do uh, only you know what you were thinking at a given time or what you perceived at a given time. What's legal might give you the benefit of the doubt in situation, but ultimately, what what's moral has to rest with you and, and you know with your creator, of course yeah
1: yeah absolutely i mean again if we were to get into ethics i mean you don't even have to get into ethics your body tells you you know like sex said most people want to avoid violence uh most people when they're ready to throw a punch they start shaking because this is just such an unnatural thing for them to do to go and hurt another human being or like i brought up you vomit after you've done it your body is literally telling you you fucked up you did not do something you were meant to do you know and like again it there's no law books, no no ethics, no nothing. Your your biology is telling you you just did something completely unnatural, uh, in my opinion, and I think that goes beyond
2: opinion. But anyway, um, Zach, did you have something? No, I I, I totally agree. Uh, how much time you got, Brian? Uh, I should probably wrap things up. Um, okay. Yeah, I'm gonna, I mean, I'm gonna leave a minutes. cliffhanger because we didn't get into Go anything ahead. weird this time. But I think yeah, uh, yeah. this converse, whole conversation was beautiful, so I'm not complaining. But sure. For next time, I'm going to posit this, that I think that ancient peoples and indigenous people's rain dances were actually real. And I think that science is currently just now catching up with the um, possibilities of the uses of sound. Um so next time we'll uh, I'll let you everybody here think Whoa. about
1: it.
2: Yeah. <laughs> it's something I've been thinking about like over the past few years. I'm like, wait a minute because there's a lot of like buildings that were built for to make certain sounds. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of chants and there, the walls the, of Jericho. The walls of Jericho. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and the, but there, the science is really coming along recently in terms of like uses for sound i mean obviously they're going to use it as fucking weapons or whatever the thing mm-hmm. but there, there's lots of things that can be done with sound um that are provable by modern science now so i think they're just getting it caught up but we'll talk about that more next time if you guys want to think about that In between um
1: yeah but
0: if brian I you, what were you gonna say go ahead
1: oh i was just um, i can't wait for that penguin go ahead Okay, good.
0: No, that's that's going to be a super cool cu- topic, and uh, I don't know if if we have the chance, uh, just to expand on some of our, at least two episodes, we've we've been a, a good point We've one of the be- bigger points of the episode was talking about the twentieth uh, century in Middle East and North Africa, as well as uh, other parts of the world. So I oh, think yeah. I think that'd be a, a good topic. We can sure. go and maybe do a little history, maybe do do a weird stuff. I, I saw a usual formula really. I don't know where we came up with our topics today, but they were really great. Yeah, this is a beautiful conversation. Yeah, really good discussions. Yeah. yeah. It's not typically a typical void conversation, but it's uh you know, I plan on do I plan on doing a bunch more of these, so yeah, I don't yeah, know if yeah, yeah, yeah. keep this cub narrow. Yeah.
1: Yeah, really right, quick well, if I or go ahead. Brian,
0: say, well, go. What are you going to say?
1: I just want to wrap up and just give some very fast recommendations to people, sure. um, as far as alternatives. One thing is, so let's say, like we were talking about, statistically, the person that pre- that would likely kill you would be your spouse. Here's a great tip: don't put a gun under your bed. Just don't be an asshole. Like, yeah. <laughs> actually, be a good fucking person. Yeah, don't and, be a
2: dick. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Don't be a dick, and and you know maybe you'll live. I mean, what what a you know what a revolutionary thought. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, the other thing is. Um, do something to be physically confident. And I don't, and that also includes, in my opinion, not carrying a gun because a gun, I think is a false sense of power. Uh, it can be a real one for people trained, very well trained, but, uh, but for most people, I think it's a false sense of power, uh, have a real sense of power as in, you know, what to do with your body and that confidence, I guarantee you will show up in your eyes and would be attackers Malicious uh, uh, actors will want to avoid that because they like easy prey. Um, you can make yourself not easy prey in very simple ways. And I mean, even things like just going to the gym and just having a certain look to you, whatever it happens to be, um, you know, just get confident in your own skin and you'll see it in your eyes in the mirror as well. Um These again, these are things that are not expensive to do. You don't have to go out and buy a bunch of shit. You don't have to carry anything. Be confident in your own skin. And I guarantee that'll keep you from a lot of nasty situations as someone who grew up in New York City. So Mm -hmm. uh, (laughs) and that's that's all I'm going to you know, if people want to ask more, they can ask more. But but I'll just lay those points out.
0: Well said. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm pretty. I'm a pretty strong advocate of uh, uh, of me carrying guns because I choose to do that. I, I think sure. Yeah, the choice to be able to do that. But I think you know, it, t- to think that uh, some people are under the impression that it's been the norm at any place in any time in history for for I mean, guns have been around forever. But that for everyone to carry a gun, uh, I don't know if you really can compare us a, a, a knife or something to that. But it's never been the norm for people to walk around carrying a carry a gun, um, you know, maybe if you're out in the wilderness or something. But it is not that is not how the society any society has ever yeah. really functioned, and it is not necessarily for uh, a polite society. I'm still an advocate for it, but let's be realistic about it. That's not an armed society is a polite society. It could be the case in some situations. Um, but basically, as a as a rule of thumb, no, I don't believe. That.
1: Yeah, well, I'll give you I'll give you two quotes. I'll give you one from an ancient Japanese quote, and that is the best swords stay in the sheaths. Um, and the other is from a guy named Doctor Sovereign. Like and it, that is like it. yeah. Uh, the other one is from Doctor Sovereign, and that one is a armed society is not a polite society. An armed society is a society built on fear. So, and, and I'll I'll just leave it with that.
2: <laughs> what was that quote? It's like uh, you haven't created uh freedom or safety you just pointed a gun at everybody on the planet's head you know what was that uh from captain america yeah yeah yeah. oh yeah
1: yeah, sure yeah but uh you know a society built on the fact that people won't aggress against you because you'll blow their face off i don't know that's not a world i want to live in but carry on
2: (laughs) uh brian you've been doing a bunch of crazy shit over uh making a lot of moves over at sovereign tech you want to plug some stuff Sure. Yeah. If uh,
1: anybody wants to check it out, uh, just go to SovereignTech.com. That'll actually take you to now my Linktree page, which will lead you to the myriad projects going on um but lately uh my wife and i have been doing our sovereign tech x episodes which have been a lot of fun talking about some really big and wild stuff uh that i think people would enjoy but there's a sovereign technica newsletter um i just restarted my medium page which is getting a lot of great attention uh and i'm really honored by that getting out some great messages there including anarchism um and uh yeah and and actually i'm even back on social media now uh wonders never cease. So if you want to follow me there, you can all check that out at sovereigntech.com.
2: Making moves, check it out. I want to yeah. go check out that Medium because uh I I do better. That's the one where it records the audio for you, right?
1: Yeah, um yeah. Medium's really great because yeah, it'll read uh it'll read the the stories for you. Yes.
2: Right. Right. I might go check that out cuz I much prefer audio these days. It's much easier for me to do. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah, and you can turn it to 2x. So you know, you don't have to listen to me
2: for as long, even though it's not my voice. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> well, um, buddy, thanks for coming on again, man. This yeah. was uh, this was awesome. Um It wasn't weird, yeah. but I think it was a lot of stuff that uh people needed to hear. So uh,
0: well, we knocked I a pretty... lot off of your list, which
1: is good. <laughs>
2: <laughs> my
1: list. We is unending, lot, right? so...
0: <laughs> yeah, we have been recording a lot. So we had a lot, to, you know probably on our minds to talk about. We, I definitely got out a lot that I had pin up, I think.
1: Been yeah, busy, brilliant is but busy still,
0: still had a lot of thoughts pinned up. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Brilliant as always, Penguin and Sec. Thank you. All right. Well, thanks for coming on. I, dude, I always uh I always respect and appreciate your opinion on here. So it's uh Same, it's always, always a blast. We'll uh we'll do this again in the usual time frame. So um everybody listening be uh excellent to each other and um don't let your spouse kill you.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <Woo>. <laughs> Great note to end on.
2: <laughs> Please.
0: Happens more often anything you yeah. <laughs>